Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Frogs War podcast. I am Jamie Plunkett. Hello, I'm Melissa Tree Watson. We're here. I just waved. She waved. No one can see me today. I can't even see you today. Because we're recording via the miracle of Ringer, uh, an online podcast website that allows people to be in different rooms and sound better than if you were on, say, Skype or Google Hangout uh, or another service such as that. And Ringer is brought to us today by SB Nation. We're we're appreciative of their support of the Frogs War podcast. Feel like you're angling hardcore for a ringer sponsorship, which sounds like a fabulous hey, idea. Hey, I'm me. not above it. I am not above it. I mean, if any of you listeners want to be, uh, uh, want to have your company's name read on the podcast for a small sum of, of dollars, we will happily do that for you within reason. Yeah. So, we are not above shilling. You know, you know, this is a, this is a yeah. part time thing, right? So yeah. this is all good. But, but we're, but Jamie, we're not here to talk about how we can increase our, you know, personal income. Are you sure? We're here to talk. Well, I mean, part of that, I'm sure, is is always a part of it because minister and teacher. Right. But, uh, but what we're really here to talk about is, I think it's finally time to talk about Ohio State. After listening to Gary Patterson tell us for the last six weeks, it wasn't time to talk about Ohio State, folks. It's, it's time to talk about Ohio State, and you know what? We've got a lot to talk about because, like it or not, Melissa. Ohio State is really freaking good this year. Yeah, they are like phenomenal. insanely good. This is going to be an uphill battle for the Frogs. They opened as a matter of, sure. you know, Patterson always talks about, you know, having one non-conference stretch game, which really kind of pushes you and tests you and allows you to see where your program is compared to other top programs in the country. This is going to do that, obviously, for TCU, to the point where the Frogs have opened up as a 13.5-point underdog. What's your initial reaction yeah. to that? I mean, my initial reaction is to be a little bit offended because it's very rare that TCU loses in that type of fashion. But the more you dig into just where TCU is, where Ohio State is, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I, I think that Ohio State on paper, absolutely the better team. Uh, you know, five stars backing up five stars, backing up four stars, or four stars backing up five stars, backing up five stars, however you want to look at that. Um, you know, they've, they've got the big names. They've got two first round draft picks, probably two top 10 picks on the defensive line. They've got a quarterback that's been playing out of their mind. Um, you know, they've got, uh, just one of the, the best recruiting, uh, classes in the country for, you know, the past three, four, five years. So, um, sure. Ohio State is, is probably better than TCU right now. Um, that being said, that's just what you want to see if you're a TCU fan is give TCU a, a two touchdown, disadvantage, tell them they have no shot against this team. It's so much better than it on paper and let Gary Patterson throw that in his players' faces for a couple of weeks and see what happens. It's worked out relatively well in the past. And, and, you know, while it's, this is going to be a tougher task than maybe any other team TCU has ever played. Um, we, we've seen them, you know, like you said the other day, we, we've seen them do what they shouldn't before and, and maybe we'll get to see them do what they shouldn't again. Yeah. That was, you know, Patterson said that in, in, on Tuesday in his press conference, he said that, um, you know, uh, we've always done things that people said we couldn't do. And we're looking to do that again this weekend. And he's right. You know, we've seen uh, what we're hearing, at least what I'm hearing from Ohio State fans this week is everything that we heard. Uh, going into the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, they're too big. They're too fast. They're going to pound the ball against TCU's small, undersized defense. They're going to be, you know, just wearing TCU out completely on both sides of the ball. And by the second half, they're going to be running dive plays. 
and just watching the clock count down. And ultimately, you know, you think people would have learned by this point that that's just not how a Gary Patterson's team is going to operate. Like they're just not going to be completely out of it that often. Now you have some samples from over the years. Obviously the Oklahoma games last year just showed that TCU was outmatched in those games. And Patterson said this game was going to be a lot like that as far as the level of competition that TCU is playing against. Uh, and I see that in some ways, but I don't see that in others, specifically when you get to Ohio State and talking about who they have at quarterback. Uh, Dwayne Haskins is really good, and we'll talk a lot about him in a minute, but he's not Heisman winner Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, they've got really yeah. solid running backs, um, but not, I don't think either of them are Rodney Anderson. And so there are some comparisons that can be made there between last year's Oklahoma team and this year's Ohio State team, but, um, you know, I don't know that it's it's a full... It's a fully uh, comparable situation. But before we get into that, uh, before we really preview Ohio State, uh, Melissa, the game isn't at TCU, unfortunately. I know. What? Breaking news. <clears throat> if you didn't know this, don't go to the Carter on Saturday evening because well, they well, won't be there no Saturday, Saturday morning. Uh, it'll be at AT&T Stadium. The Frogs are 2-2 two and two there uh, in, in their history, in the history of Jerry World. Uh, for, with 2010 wins over Oregon State, or 2010 win over Oregon State, a 2011 win over BYU, uh, and then two losses in their last two appearances in 2013 to LSU and 2017 last year in the Big 12 Championship to Oklahoma. So the Frogs have beaten the two teams that they were expected to beat in Jerry World and lost the two teams that they were expected to lose to in Jerry World. I don't know what that means for this game, probably nothing. But that's just kind of a fun fact, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably meaningless as far as location. I don't think either team has an advantage. They've actually both played in the stadium about the same number of times recently. Uh, but, but it is, you know, it, it's, I don't, you know, everyone's going to talk about, well, this isn't really, you know, a neutral site game or this is, this is closer to home game for TCU, but playing in Jerry World, in my opinion, certainly gives, uh, Ohio State an advantage. Oh, yeah. Um, just from sheer number standpoint, you know, now, now it'll be interesting to see how many Ohio State fans travel. It's not opening weekend. You know, they, they, a lot of them were down here recently for the Cotton Bowl. Um, and so it's not like it's a, a special trip that they haven't made before. But I still think there'll be more Ohio State fans and TCU fans in. Well, yeah, Delhi. I think that just, it, it, that's kind of a common thing to think because Ohio State's fan base is so much bigger than TCU's. I mean, TCU's living alumni yeah. could, you know, maybe have a little bit of overflow space needed to fill Jerry World just that fan base, but Ohio State could fill it two or three times yeah. over and, and still have folks standing yeah. outside. So, um, now, now that being said, when there are mo- more Ohio State fans and TCU fans, everyone's going to say, oh, TCU could even fill out a stadium, you know, 20 minutes from their house without taking into account uh, all yeah, the other factors. Why would but you, that's fine. Why would we apply logic? Yeah, why would you apply reason to a situation in which you are talking trash about another school? That just doesn't make any sense. True. Um, yeah, but you can be out on campus Saturday morning, Melissa, out at the Carter, because yes. game day is coming. Again, two years in a row. Two years in a row. Less than a year apart. Um, we will have game yeah, day in Fort Worth Have again. you seen how mad Ohio State fans are about this? Oh, they're mad about everything. It's because I think they're secretly scared, but it's yeah, fine. they, uh, so one, I saw one guy arguing on Twitter because he, he was so mad that TCU had game day on campus, even though the game was at a neutral site. Uh, he was trying to argue with ESPN that 
the game they should they might as well have just brought game day to Columbus and just headed on campus at Ohio State because if they were going to play favorites in this neutral site matchup, why not make it Ohio State instead of TCU? Which is just a very rational argument for an Ohio State fan to make. So one of the more I rational mean, ones I've witnessed from their so far. True, true. You know, I, I think that, that what's really cool about this and, and take away the neutral site thing. And, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about, uh, or, or you had a great article last week about why it is Gary Patterson gets asked pretty regularly why it happened the way that it did. Um, at the end of the day, like, let's just take a second and appreciate the fact that game day, the biggest show in college football, the flagship program of college football has been on TCU's campus twice in like yeah, 11 months. Like, that is, a, that is a pretty, a, a pretty huge testament to what. Gary Patterson has built, what TCU has built, uh, the way that the game day staff is treated when they come to Fort Worth um, and, and and how much they enjoy that experience because that just doesn't happen very often for a school the size of TCU. It really doesn't. I mean, you think about all the other schools that have had game day multiple times. You're talking about, like, Alabama and Ole Miss. Uh, I, think, I think Ohio State has had it a couple of times in the last couple of years or maybe Penn State because they've gotten really good. Um, but realistically, you're talking about blue blood programs, top notch elite programs that are the schools that get this, this show on campus multiple times, uh, in the course of a, of a calendar year. And, and so the fact that TCU is in that group shows that at least one kind of national media outlet is recognizing that, uh, TCU is a program to, to keep an eye on. Um, and yes, you know, it, it's Ohio State and Ohio State draws a lot of eyes, and realistically, if you're talking about matchups this weekend, this is probably the best matchup. It's two top 15 teams playing each other on a neutral site. You're not really getting that with any other games this week. But still, uh, to, to be on campus twice in two seasons is, is really cool. It shows, a lot, uh, it shows a lot about how well, well, far the Frogs have, have come. Yeah, and, and this, is, this is seven yeah, this overall, This will be the seventh time TCU has been a part of game day. Uh, the third time, this will be the third time that it's been on campus and TCU has been in three away games where game day was also present. West Virginia in 2016, I, no, 2014, I believe. Uh, and then at BYU one yep. time and at Utah one time, uh, there was also game day. So just <clears throat> to put this into perspective, Texas A&M has only hosted game day four times. They've only been on game day four times. Georgia has been on it three times, and that's not including this year, this year probably. Georgia has only hosted three times. Arkansas, Kentucky, Missouri, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt just won a piece, and I don't know if that's been updated for this year. But um, So, you know, TCU is, is really competing with the big boys, so to speak, when it comes to ESPN's uh, attraction to covering their games, and, and a lot of that speaks to uh, TCU's been willing to play some of these bigger matchups. A lot of it speaks to uh, they've been in the hunt you know, throughout the college football season more often than not. And, and game day wants those ranked-on-ranked matches. And to play in a ranked-on-ranked matches, you have to be ranked. And TCU has, has put themselves in the conversation. Um, Texas, you know, and USC certainly had golden opportunities to steal this one away in Austin. But when you lose to Maryland and, and you get thumped by Stanford, you know, this is definitely the most attractive game on the it schedule. It is, and I think weekend. it's also a testament to the way TCU fans have showed out the last time, last couple of times game day has mm-hmm. been on campus because – uh, you know, I know that uh, they probably say this to most of their fan bases, but when the ESPN talking heads turn around and say that it was incredible to be on campus, the hospitality was magnificent, and that the fans showed out 
and were loud the entire time, more so than, than a lot of other schools. I have, to, I have to believe that there's some truth to that. And so I think they want to go back to a place where, you know, people are going to be high energy and turn out uh, and have yeah. you know, a really good time with it. And TCU's shown that this is a place where, where that can happen. Sure. Well, and if you want to talk about how they're treated, uh, we know that TCU pretty much oh, yeah. does everything first class. Um, you know, we, we've gotten to see a little bit behind the veil this year, just, just covering games. You know, we've been to, I've been to a lot of basketball games. You've, we've mm-hmm. been to a lot of different stadiums. And, and that's one thing that anybody that comes to TCU's campus can't argue against is that, that the facilities, uh, the way that they're treated by the leadership, the way that the TCU football staff treats people, it is first class all the way around. And, and so, um, I, I think that, that that's a place that, that the game day crew likes to come because they know that they're going to be treated like absolute kings and queens and have everything that they need. And, and that, again, is just a testament to the culture of TCU, the Absolutely. culture of TCU athletics. And it doesn't hurt, too, to think about TCU being 6-0 and all time in those game day games that they've been a part of. You know, yeah. that's going to be a record Man. that will be put to the test <laughs> on Saturday night, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the biggest possible uh, And way. it's going to be put to the test, Melissa, because the Ohio State Buckeyes are uh, no joke as a football team. Um, yeah. They have absolutely obliterated Oregon State and Rutgers in back-to-back weeks to open the season. Yes, it's Oregon State and Rutgers. But they've outscored them 129 to 34. And 31 of those points came uh, when they were playing Oregon State without one of their starting safeties. And a lot of those points came in garbage time. So, uh including two huge runs by Oregon State's running back in the second half. So, you know, you look at this Ohio State team and you look at a team that is incredibly talented. We've been hearing from Ohio State fans all week about how many stars their their, their players had as recruits. All of the stars. Um, but realistically, they oh. are incredibly talented and they, they just haven't been tested, I don't think, quite yet this year. Uh, and that being said, Dwayne Haskins looks like the real deal on offense. He's got nine passing touchdowns through two games, more than 500 passing yards. This is arguably the best defensive line in the country with Nick Bosa and Chase Young and Draymond Jones. They're all incredible, incredible athletes. And Patterson mentioned it in his presser on Tuesday that, you know, you look at the death chart, too, for this defensive line, and you see parade All-Americans all the way to their 3D. So this is a team that has incredible talent and incredible depth. Uh, and they're going to be arguably, like you said, the biggest test that TCU faces all season long, including in conference play. Yeah, and, and you know, I think Oklahoma, from what we've seen so far against similar level of competition, is probably right there as well. Um, that's not going to be an easy task, but, you know, you get that one on campus, and so maybe that evens things out. You've got two programs that know each other really well. When you look at Ohio State, um, you know, what do we really know about them? You know, other than what we see on film, it's not a program that most fans have a lot of direct familiarity with. Um, it's obvious that Ohio State fans don't have a lot of familiarity with ECU. Um, they, you know, all their fans are talking about, you know, a couple of wide receivers that have one catch in their career as being our top players because they were ranked higher. Um, but, you know, I, it, it's going to be an interesting challenge for the Horn Frogs. You know, what does this offensive line look like against the best defensive front they're going to face all season, you know? We will know so much more about that aspect of TCU's team on Sunday morning than, than we do going into Friday night. Uh, what does Sean Robinson look like? I mean, two of his three starts have been in just insane inclement weather. Um, the third one was against, you know, mm-hmm. Southern. Uh, we know that his accuracy has been questionable. How much of that is the elements? How much of that is the jitters of his first game? And, and how much is that as something that we need to have a long-term concern about? 
we're going to know a heck of a lot more, you know, come midnight on, on Saturday. Um, this is a, a test for TCU and in, in the ultimate regard. I mean, it's, you know, I think we both have a ton of respect for Ohio state. We both, you know, kind of go into, and most TCU fans go into this again, some things are going to have to go our way to win this game. Like we're going to need a strip sack return for a touchdown. We're going to need a tip ball that, that gets picked off for an interception. You're going to need some of those lucky breaks when you look at the youth and the inexperience at some key positions for TCU against a team that is, is so loaded and so stacked. Um, all that mm-hmm. being said, it's not a game that TCU can't win by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but for fans, if you're going into this and you're thinking, man, 13 and a half point dogs, we don't have a prayer against this program. At the very least, you should be looking to see how do these different position groups and these specific players look against the top competition because that should give you a great idea of what the Big 12 season is going to look like and, and what the Horn Frogs yeah. realistic no, chances are to return to the Big 12 uh, championship this, game. There is uh, kind of a cap to the significance of this game because it doesn't impact Big 12 play, like you said, uh, but it does impact college football landscape and, and college football playoff potential. Um, and so whether you view that cap as being higher sure. than a big 12 championship or lower or level, you know, that's on, that's on y'all, but, uh, there is a cap to, um, the, the significance of this game in that way. And I really think that should help TCU kind of temper, sure. uh, their energy and temper their, um, you know, it, kind of get upness. Right. Yeah. Because, because realistically, like the season's not over just well. because you lose one game. Uh, TCU hasn't been undefeated since the 2010 season when they won the Rose Bowl. Um, but I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't argue, uh, or I would argue that TCU has found incredible success uh, in the Big 12 since then, especially in three of the last four years where they've won 11 plus games. Uh, and look at what happened in a couple of those seasons where they just got thumped by Oklahoma State or Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship or Oklahoma State. Uh, to kind of take the Heisman away from Boykin and, uh, you know, other games that we won't really mention by name here anymore, you know, and so realistically losing this game isn't the end of the world. Yeah. Winning this game doesn't mean that you're automatically going to win a national championship either. And so you've got still, you, you know, this really does have to be one in 12, go out, take care yeah. of business, see how the chips fall. And, and, you know, you're either three and zero afterwards or you're two and one and you got to move on and get ready for Texas after that. Well, and I think a couple interesting things that came out of the Tuesday press conference is, is one when Patterson was talking about this game becoming a one-off. And, and I've seen some Ohio State fans be like, oh, were you scared to play us? Oh, why did this game get taken away? It should have been a home-and-home. And, home. and one of the things Patterson mentioned was was kind of specifically pointing to next year and, and telling Chris Del Conte, <laughs> do you not want me to win national championships here? Like, is that not what you want to happen? And it's an interesting shift in philosophy. Um, you know, before TCU joined the Big 12, it was anyone, anywhere, anytime, because they were trying to prove that they belonged on that national stage. Well, they're there now. I mean, they've got college game day interested in them. You know, they're, they're getting opportunities to play these big games. And like you said, you have to be really, really careful about these stretch games that you play because you don't want one loss to cost you two or three or four because of injuries. Um, you don't want uh, it to cost you in recruiting. You know, you don't, you have to be really smart about this. And if you look at the 2018 team, this, this mm-hmm. is probably not the unit that we looked at and thought, Oh, uh, this is a real playoff contender. This is the year that we go all in. That looks more like 2019, 2020, 2021, when we see some of this young talent, talent now that TC is recruiting on a high level, equitable with the big dogs, um, that, that maybe they have a chance to play. And if you, if you have this home and home and you go to Columbus next year, 
I mean, that, that challenge is maybe you're ready, maybe you're not. But I, I think he's looking at this in the big picture of, you know, this is a great opportunity for me to, to push my young team and to show out my backyard and to show recruits, hey, either we're there with these guys or we're right there with these guys. Um, and, and just not showing up, playing well, um, redeeming yourself on, on that big stage and showing that you belong out there is probably enough. Winning is a cherry on the top because I don't, I don't know that this is a 12 and 0 or a 13 and 0 team. Uh, this is a young team that, that could really skyrocket after a big win or could really, you know, take a downward slide if they lose. And so I think we're just, we're going to see so much more about this game than the result. It, but it could really set the tone for the rest of the season. And if the frogs come out and, you know, no moral victories or whatever, but let's see what, you yeah. know, let's see what happens with, with Texas after playing close with Clemson. You know, that whole program's culture seems to have changed go out and you play close with with Ohio State on this neutral site maybe that's the spark that these young players need to really get to get confident if you go out and win I mean who knows what doors that could possibly open for you but the only thing that could really I, I, the only thing I really see as a negative is if they just get their doors blown off you know if they cover then we're probably at a good spot if they lose by 20 25 points which I don't see a Gary Patterson team doing against not Baker Mayfield then, then that, that could be a step backwards, but anything else is, is going to look like progress and is, is going to give, you know, people across the country. Yeah, and, notice you know, that, I think hey, to that, that point too, uh, about really getting blown out or dogs. not, uh, you know, everybody's going to be talking up how talented and incredible and great and magnificent Ohio state is, uh, for the next couple of days, but realistically they're not without their weaknesses either. Sure. And I've been getting roasted by Ohio state fans for the last couple of days now for, for even daring to question their team speed. <laughs> yes, uh, you have. I, I didn't say, and I clarified this uh, with a couple of folks earlier on uh, t- earlier today, which is Wednesday. Um, but when I wrote in my quick look at Ohio State that they will they will rarely see speed like TCU has in the Big Ten. Here's what I really meant: It's not that Ohio State is slow, because you don't have to be slow in order to not often encounter team speed. In, in opposition. I don't know if people understand how that works, but just because you're fast yeah. doesn't mean you know how to play defense against other people that are fast. Speed has to be coached. And so to, to look at Ohio State and just say, oh, well, they're fast. They're going to beat TCU even though TCU's fast is ridiculous. Just like saying, oh, TCU's fast. They're going to beat Ohio State even they're fast, even though they're fast is ridiculous. And so I wasn't saying either of those things. What I was really saying is this is that, you know, uh, team, TCU has team speed at the level of which Ohio State rarely sees in the Big Ten. And I believe that that's true because I believe that TCU as a team is faster than Indiana, Purdue, and Minnesota. I think they're faster than Rutgers and Nebraska. I would contend, based on recent results, that they're faster than Michigan, uh, Michigan State and Maryland State, not Michigan. Um and of the teams on Ohio State's schedule this season, I would say that TCU is decidedly faster than everyone except Michigan and Penn State. You know, and so that's two teams that are either on the same yeah. level of team speed as TCU or maybe a little bit faster. And if you're going to encounter that kind of speed less than a quarter of your season, I'm going to qualify that as rarely seeing that in the Big Ten. So... Ohio State fans can maybe back up off me just a little bit because that's what I meant. And I say all of that because realistically, uh, TCU has probably two of the fastest, ten fastest players in all of college football. 
I mean, you're talking about Jalen Rager who runs a 4-3-2. You're talking about Jeff Gladney on the defensive side of the ball who runs a 4-3-4 and who ran down Bryce Love last year in a bowl game uh, on straight line speed with no defensive angle. And that doesn't include Kevontae Turpin or Darius Davis or Tay Barber or Kennedy Snell, who all have 4-4 speed. Now, speed's not going to be the only deciding factor in this game. Of course it's not, but it's going to have an impact. And I, what I was trying to say in my article the other day was just that TCU speed is going to be at a level that Ohio State doesn't encounter very often. And that's not something that I think is ridiculous in, in any sense. Yeah. No, it's not. And and again, like you said, no one is doubting that Ohio State has speed across the board. What we're saying is outside of practice, they don't see a lot of this speed. They don't see a lot of these types of offenses. I mean, the Big 12, the Big 10 outside of a handful of schools has been kind of a dumpster fire for the last couple of years. Um, you know, Minnesota had a, a really nice season in, in 2014 and then has kind of, you know, slowly declined since then. Uh, Michigan State just lost it at Arizona State. Uh, Rutgers, you know, is Rutgers. Nebraska has been really, really down. Um, the, you know, these teams not only aren't winning, but they're not recruiting at an elite level either. And so uh, TCU, especially at the offensive skill position, positions, has really recruited at a fairly elite level or has found underrated players. Like I, I saw an Ohio State fan post about, you know, calling kind of calling out Kevontae Turpin for only being a three-star. Go ahead and doubt that guy. Go ahead and doubt him. To ask any Big 12 football coach about the player that they hate seeing the most on the field, and I guarantee you number 25 is the first one out of their lips. So you can look at the stars and the ratings, and we all know how political and, and how meaningless that can be to some degree. At the end of the day, you've got to put the football out there and, and, and just go out and play. And we have seen TCU time and time again mm-hmm. rise up to these challenges. Again, I don't know if this is the team that is quite ready to do that, but by the it's same not. token, and, and this don't seems, doubt Gary Patterson. We've talked about just it since it. fall it's camp started. It. This team seems to have just this quiet confidence uh, and level-headedness about them uh, to where they're not going to get too high or they're not going to get too low. You know, you were there for all of Kelton Holland's, um, the Kelton Holland's uh, guide to colloquialisms on Tuesday morning. Um, but he, you know, he was saying all of those cliches and oh they were, God, they were true. You know? I mean, is amazing. This isn't a team that gets too high or too low. They really just work hard every day and they, and they try to, to show it on Saturday. And so I don't think we're going to see a team that comes in and is overwhelmed by the moment on Saturday, especially because like my original point a thousand minutes ago now, Ohio state has weaknesses. And I think one of those weaknesses is in the secondary because they gave up a few big passes against Oregon State. And if Rutgers had a quarterback that could throw a football, they had some receivers that got open on Saturday. Um, and so if Robinson can deliver the ball, I really do think TCU's speed at the skill positions is going to afford them some opportunities on offense to score points. And if they're scoring points, they're going to be in it. Um, you know, safety Jordan Fuller wasn't in for that Oregon State game, so talking about how how much of an impact that had on yeah. Ohio State secondary? Uh, I'm not totally sure. That was actually one of my questions for, for my Q and A with um, Land Grant Holy Land that'll be posting later this week. So hopefully they answer that um, for us. But you know, realistically, there is an opportunity because of some things uh, about Ohio State's defense that I think TCU can score points. And uh, you know, if if they do that, you know, anything can happen.
Well, and, and I think, you know, too, as good as Ohio State's offense has been and, is, is, you know, their defense has shown maybe not not cracks, but maybe fissures. Just, and we'll see. I mean, we know who they were playing, they knew who they were playing. But TCU's defense, um, I, I just kind of hopped into an athletic article here really quick that talked about uh, just what, what a good defensive start TCU has had. Again, SMU and Southern, sure. But at the end of the day, you still have to stop teams. And they've been doing that at, at a top 10 rank in the country. Um, their stop rate is 89.3%, and they forced punts on 20 of the 28 drives that, that they've played. So, and they've also had, you know, a couple interceptions and fumbles and things as well. So, uh, it really is strength versus strength. Um, it, the, I think you're right. I think it's the TCU offense versus the Ohio State defense is going to determine where this game is won, and it's going to ultimately going to be on Sean Robinson's shoulders as much as anybody. And if he can deliver the ball, if he can be that championship level winning quarterback that we saw in high school, which I think we all believe he can be, uh, and, and if he can change the game with his legs, then, then this, this should come down to the fourth quarter. And the one thing that we haven't mentioned yet, I don't think it matters unless it's a close game in the fourth quarter. But if it's a one possession game and there's four minutes to go on the clock, how good are yeah, there's State only so much game planning that you can Day do in the, the middle of the week to uh, impact the last five minutes of a football game when a guy's got to think about clock management and two minute drills and all that other kind of stuff. Yeah. Now I did I did go on a pod earlier this week on on the ten twelve pod which is which is a great one that Philip Slavin does and and they had a, a one of the uh, land grant holy land guys on and and he said that he actually thought that Ryan Day being uh, the lead was was better for Ohio State which I didn't laugh because I didn't want to be rude I was a guest but uh, there is no scenario yeah, where not his, having Urban Meyer on the sideline is is a better thing for Ohio State than having him on the sideline. Uh, he said that he thought that, that Meyer, uh, is not a great in-game coach. But he's a great recruiter and a great program manager, but he tends to make mistakes I, I uh, in game and, and hold, <laughs> hold the team back a little bit, which. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I disagreed very wholeheartedly, but I, I let him have it. Oh. It was, it was his, so I let him have it. Uh, well you know who else done. is going to let people have it How on Saturday that night that we haven't seen do so? Was that nice? That was nice. I thought that was a good segue. Yes. Um, we get to see, we get to see our man, LJ Collier, back on the field. Finally, after an extended absence, uh, for reasons undetermined or unspoken, but Gary Patterson knows them and that's all that matters. And it appears that LJ Collier will be on the field against Ohio State Saturday night. And that is a huge, huge addition for a TCU yes, team absolutely. that desperately needs someone else uh, on the know, defensive line. Having depth along the defensive line is something that's really important in a game like this, simply because you're going up against the best offensive line that you've seen to date. And so you need all of your bodies and you need all your best guys, and LJ Collier is definitely one of those. Uh, Patterson did say on Tuesday that he won't be on a snap count because he's been practicing for the last couple of weeks. He's been working with the twos, and Patterson said he's been working probably harder with the twos than he would have been had he just been playing with the ones the whole time. And so that's an interesting note in that he has been working out with the team and won't be on a snap count. So it's not going to be one of those situations, I don't think, unless this was just like a little sleight of hand move for Patterson in the overall scheme of game planning uh, for, for Collier to come right in and be able to make an impact and not be on a snap count because that frees up yeah. everybody's favorite uh, hybrid defensive end linebacker, Ty Summers, to go back and forth between the defensive uh, end position and the linebacker position, which Patterson said he'd probably see some time at both of those spots on Saturday. Um, 
and that affords you a fast, big, strong guy like Ty Summers, who's ver- who's versatile, uh, to be able to move him around kind of like a chess piece um, and make things a little bit more difficult, hopefully, for Ohio State on offense. Well, and, and you're going to, you you know, Corey Bethley played just lights out on Friday night. Ben Bandigou finally got going a little bit. But when you add another guy like LJ Collier, who who just wreaks mm-hmm. havoc and is and is a beast, as you said, that uh, that does just enable other guys to go out and make plays, too. And so will he be the guy that's afforded extra attention or will he be the guy that's freed up because of the extra attention paid to Bethley and Bandigou? Plus, he's such an unknown. I mean, there's no film on him this year. So God only knows what we're going to see when he lines up, uh, you know, on the other side of the football Saturday night. But I'm really glad. And I you know he's going to be mad. Because if there's one thing we know about LJ, he is a fiery, fiery dude. And I am sure that all that anger has been bubbling mm-hmm. underneath the surface and he's ready to turn it loose on somebody else. And, Absolutely. And uh, he he'll, he'll, he'll make something uh, happen. You know, another Hopefully big thing to think about, he'll definitely too, make something happen this Saturday game, night. Realistically, is that, um, oh, my God, my notes just went away. Oh, dear. That's the best. Yes. Don't you agree with that? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yes, I completely agree. It was agree. a salient point. Um, I can't even, I can't even on earth yeah, for, for the life of me remember what I was going to yeah. say. So I'm just going to shift now and talk a little bit about, uh, hope, my hope for this game and is that Darius Anderson is a guy well, who is yeah. a little bit healthier than he has been the last two weeks so that he can get more snaps. Um, because this is, I think, from a TCU perspective, yeah. like I said, with like you know, same situation with LJ Collier. You want all of your best options to be ready and available for a game like this. And Darius Anderson is one of those uh, to where if he is capable of going a little bit more than he has the last yeah. two weeks, this is the week to really test that out and do it. You know, I. Yeah, I mean, he was banged up in fall camp, well, this, and so as he was working his way back from that injury, he got hurt uh, to end last season as well. Yeah. Um, and so he's been working his way back from injury for a, 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 quite a while now. And I think if you've got yeah. a game like Ohio State Week 3 under schedule, you definitely want to take Weeks 1 and 2 to ease a guy back in to, to playing at full speed. Um, so now, now we're going to see. We're going to see if Darius is really healthy. Um, and if he's capable of, of really doing some significant work on the ground, he looks like he was running a little bit better against SMU. And obviously you've still got Shewo and you've got Amari DeMarcado, who has just been a revelation these last couple of weeks, um, at that kind of third spot at the running back position. Yeah. Well, and I will say this, as good as Shabo is, as good as, as Amari has been the last couple of weeks, if Darius Anderson doesn't put together a Oklahoma State-type performance or, or something close mm-hmm. to that, uh, TC's not winning this game. Like, they're going to need him. And he's Shabo can make a lot of good things happen. You know, Amari looks like a really solid player. We've got good wide receivers. But at the end of the day, like, this is a game where Darius Anderson, where Jet has got to put the team on his back. And go off for a hundred yards and, and a, a score or two if, if the frogs want to have a chance. Because the only way that they are going to win this game is by completely wearing down that defensive front for Ohio State with the run game. And that's also going to buy time for, for Sean um, in the pocket to find his receivers and hopefully be able to set his feet and make good throws. So, um, there's a mm-hmm. lot in my book. If, if Anderson's healthy and, and he's good to go, there's, there's a lot of onus on him to be the guy this weekend. 
And that's probably a big reason why we haven't seen a whole lot of them the first two weeks, too. It's yeah, just, so here's a fun you, fact. You can, I'm looking you can at these bet season, season and stats right now. Trying uh, Anderson to has 17 Saturday total night. carries on the season for 105 yards. Shewo has 16 carries for 102. And DeMarcado has 14 carries for 85. So they're all rushing for over six yards a clip. Uh, and they've all seen the ball about the same amount. Um, and wow. none of them have a rushing touchdown yet. Sean Robinson has three, and two other players besides Robinson have a rushing wow. touchdown. Can you name them? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and call it, yeah, Robinson. According to this, yes. Uh, so do we count Jalen Austin? Is that considered a rushing touchdown on Friday night? Nope. Okay, so that would be one. The other one uh, would be... That would be Michael Collins. Is it, was it Rager on that little sweep? No. I can't mm-hmm. name him. I don't know. Oh, that's right. Both of those happened on, on Friday night against SMU. Yeah, Michael Collins. Yeah. And, and Michael Collins is a guy who Patterson has wanted to see more of this weekend. Um, it's going to be very interesting, especially if Sean struggles, if we see them rotate some series. Um, Ohio State has played two quarterbacks. I mean, Haskins looks like the guy, but Tate Martell has been really impressive as well. Uh, this could be a time mm-hmm. where we see a little bit more Michael Collins. He's probably a better thrower of the football from an accuracy standpoint, but isn't the dynamic athlete. He's he's a better runner than we think he is because Gary Patterson keeps telling us so, but uh, probably not the dynamic athlete that Sean Robinson is. But, you know, as, as Patterson said, Sean was a little bit banged up after Friday night as well. And so so maybe we see a little bit more Mike yeah, Collins. Yeah, this is and, true. But, you know, I think Ohio State really is just playing for Robinson. There's an ESPN. So maybe that gives TCU an advantage by throwing Collins out there for a series or two. I'm, I'm curious to see on the other side of things sure. whether Tate Martell, the backup quarterback uh, for Ohio State, maybe gets in for a series or two in this game just to kind of throw TCU off because Martell is actually probably the better dual-threat quarterback out of the two, Martell and Haskins. Um not to say that Haskins isn't mobile or athletic or anything like that. They just don't. They just don't yeah. uh, design a lot of runs for yeah, don't Haskins. Get your, he has the ability to scramble. He's proven again. that. Like that's not that's not the question. It's whether or not the offense is designed for him to run. And I think that they've got some packages that allow Tate Martell the opportunity to run. Where Dwayne Haskins, with his arm and his accuracy, you just need him to either hand the ball off to a back or just to get the ball out on time to a receiver. Um, and so that'll be interesting to see whether Collins does that, uh, has an opportunity to get into this game early. But realistically, you know, in reading some of the stuff that the Ohio State coaches have said about Sean Robinson, they really think highly of him. Uh, you know, you, you see the, from Greg Schiano, um, he says, you know, in this article from ESPN that posted on Wednesday afternoon, uh, the headline is Ohio State's last game without Urban Meyer will be its toughest. And Chiano says this about Sean Robinson. He says, we recruited him. He's a really good player who is multidimensional, who can throw. He's a strong-arm guy. Huge test for our defense. This is a very athletic, fast, and productive offense. Um, you have uh, Day, who is you know the, um, I guess, interim coach. Is he an interim, or is he just like a – is there a different is there a different term for that since – Interim. The, the at-large at um, he's an interim. You know, he talks about Gary Patterson. He says a lot of yeah. really, he, he the, speaks yeah, really no, highly of Patterson. You know, yeah. Um, saying that Coach Patterson has done a great job. They have all of the answers. They have all, they have adjustments. They make quick adjustments. They know exactly how you're trying to attack them. So they've, 
been together for such a long time that you're not going to get every, anything for free. Uh, you're not going to have, you're, or you're going to have to earn everything that you can get. And, you know, that's the thing. I, if Ohio State fans are hearing that from their own coaches, maybe they'll actually, you know, realize that to be true. The team is going to come out prepared, and Sean Robinson has the talent at quarterback. You know, he's been a little shaky with his accuracy and with his touch over the first two <laughs> weeks. Um, so hopefully we see a big improvement from him in that regard this, this week because we're going to need to, or TCU is not going to be, not going to be able to get over the hump, I don't think. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, it's 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 going to come down to the little details. Um, it's going to come down to the details, and it's going to come down to the way that the ball bounces. Um, you know, uh, uh, our our friends over at, at SB Nation, Jason Kirk has TCU as a or Bill Connolly has TCU as a a nineteen point dog according to the S and P. That you know the the matchups just are bad for this Horn Frogs team against this Ohio State team. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know it. I know it. Anyone that's followed TCU for the last twenty years knows it that. Anything can happen, you know, when, when you, when you, when you step back to snap. And so, um, you know, we get to play this game and that's, that's going to be the fun part of this. It's, these are the kind of matchups that Gary Patterson craves. Yeah, they and really are. It's going to be a fun game. I mean, I'm and as hyped up for this game as I've been for any game in a long time. So. I'm nervous and already a little bit, uh, nauseous and, um, am, am definitely at the stage of, oh no, I don't want to do this. Um, which is normal for me around this time of the week leading into a big game. So I felt like this for the Rose Bowl. I felt like this more often than not. It's when I'm not nervous that, uh, so you're I, saying I you didn't like have the same nervous energy for either Oklahoma game last year? I last had against Oklahoma in 2020. Oh, really? So we'll see how it goes. No, 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 I, I did not, I did not like the way that, that, uh, going into Norman, I did not feel good yeah. about that game and I wasn't nervous. I was more resigned. Uh, the Big 12 championship, I've just seen plenty of Baker Mayfield and I just, I knew what, what TC was at that point was a really, really good yeah. football team, but what Oklahoma had was one of the top two or three players I've seen in college football in the last 20 years. And I, I, and that's where I think that's where the difference is. You know, Patterson says it's like playing Oklahoma, and it is. But Baker Mayfield is a generational talent who uh, just makes everybody around him so much better. Um, maybe Dwayne Haskins is that. Maybe Sean Robinson is that. We're we're not. We don't know yet based on who they played, but we get an opportunity to find out. And and I just, you know, there, it's one thing to play Oklahoma in conference. It's another thing to play a team who has consistently disregarded you whether it was Gordon Gee, the Little Sisters of the Poor, um, you know, whether it's just the general attitude of Big Ten opponents uh, or Big Ten fans towards CCU, this is, there's a little bit more here. There's a little bit more to this game. And, and you know, our, our, our friend uh, John Olson mentioned it as, I don't know how to do that, Jeff, Jeff Olson mentioned that too. And that, you know, when he re- was recruited by TCU back in the day and Gary Patterson and Gary talked about playing on the big stage, the team he mentioned was Ohio State. Just kind of coincidentally, but if you think you that saying, Patterson won't have are you saying that everything it just out Saturday night, then, then you haven't been paying attention. So let's just see what happens. Well, let's sure just does. see what happens. Uh, let's uh, move on a little bit and talk about it matchups to watch. Means more. Do you have a position matchup to watch that you think is really important in this game on Saturday? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's the the Ohio State's D line against TCU's offensive line. Um, the early returns from the line have been have been good. They've definitely improved week to week. They've improved as dramatically since the spring. Those guys. I first of all, like getting back to Felton Hollins. Oh my gosh, I love that kid. What a what a amazing human being, and, and what a what the right guy to step into the big shoes left by the couple of centers before him. Um, but but they're 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 gonna they're gonna work hard. They are they're gonna play as a unit well. Um, they are not going to see anything like they're going to see Saturday night again this season. Uh, the, the pass rush of Ohio State is just insane. And so uh, can they keep Sean Robinson clean? And what does Sean Robinson in return look like when those guys are bearing down on him? Is he going to have the ability to stand tall in the pocket and make his reads and make his throws? Or is he going to take off and run um, maybe more than he should? And, and I've been super impressed with with his decision-making as far as when to run and, and you know when to tuck it and go and, and when to stand tall in the pocket so far this season, but this is a whole other beast. And when Nick Bosa is, is bearing down on you, um, that, that sophomore making his fourth career start might start to come out. And so that's, that's what I'm really looking forward to watching is how does the O-line handle the pass rush of Ohio State and what does Sean Robinson do when, when those guys start breaking through? Because they're, they're going to get there. She's going to get hit. There's going to be some sacks. Does the is damage minimal, or can he make them pay by by cutting loose and going? Because you yeah, can't definitely for a big one. I think for me, defense, uh, you know, I wrote on like our, our run sheet so that uh, we talk about TCU's wide receivers sure. against Ohio State's defensive backs, but I think we've already touched on that a little bit. I, you know, I think another matchup for me to, is that we need to keep an eye on is TCU's linebackers against Ohio State's running backs. Um, you know, yeah. the defensive line. No, you know, you've got you've got some incredibly, incredibly good. Running backs and yeah. you know, J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins, obviously the Texas kid the that everyone's going to remember uh, because he was highly recruited by TCU when he was, um, you know, when he was in high school. But you've also got Mike Weber, who is an incredible running back in his own regard. They're both bigger. They're both about 215 pounds, about five foot eleven. Uh, and Mike Weber has uh, over 200 yards rushing and three rushing touchdowns already this year. So those two guys are inc- an incredible duo. Uh, and, you know, the offensive line for Ohio State and the defensive line for TCU, I think, are pretty even match. Honestly, uh, probably you give the nod to Ohio State just because the Frogs are without Ross Blacklock, but I still think it's close. Um, and that means that if the D-line is taking care of what they need to do, then the, the linebackers are going to need to be the ones that step up and really, really you know, play big in the, in the running game. And if you can do anything to make Ohio State's offense a little bit more one-dimensional, you're, sure. you're going to give yourself a little bit better of a chance to have success. So, you know, I think that's something interesting to watch, especially when you're, you know, you've got Arico Evans and Juwan Johnson who have been playing a lot. You've got yeah, uh, Alec absolutely. Dunham. And you've got Garrett Walla, who, you know, has been kind of everybody's favorite new starter this year, uh, the real-life Bobby Boucher. Um, but you're going to have Summers, who potentially will slide into that linebacker spot again a little bit this Saturday. So you've got some incredible talent at that position. Yep. And now they're really going to show you what they've got um, against two bigger running backs, against a bigger offensive line, uh, and, and a Big Ten team that is, is really going to try and hit you in the mouth. They're going to run straight at you. And, you know, it's like, it's like Day said about TCU. They're not going to give you anything for free. Ohio State's not, not going to give you anything for free either. And, and if these linebackers step yeah. up and, and play big in the running game, then that's going to go a long way for TCU. So I'm. Absolutely. Whew, it's going to be a fun one. 
Who, so who are the guys you know, that, I think uh, that in his first game back, in his first game who are the guys of the that season, I've almost the picked LJ Collier because night. I think he's going to be so hyped up. But, uh, you know, I really – I am expecting things, otherworldly things from Ben Banigou in this game. You know, he was so frustrated after that Southern game uh, because he he didn't play well. He almost got thrown out for targeting. He was over-pursuing. He was just playing with almost too much energy. Um, he wasn't like Patterson said after the fact that he wasn't letting the game come to him, and that was detrimental in a couple of ways. He stepped up and had a much better week two yeah. against SMU. And I think if his uh, track record rings true, he's going to step up again in a big game. I mean, we saw him time after time last year make sacks in big moments. Uh, you think back to that West Virginia game. You think back to that Stanford game, and just his presence in the backfield in big moments was, you know, irreplaceable. Uh, and so I think that he does that again this week. I think he comes comes through with a big sack of Dwayne Haskins, and he really keeps TCU in it from a defensive standpoint. Uh, he is considered one of the best defensive ends in the country, and I think he solidifies that uh, perception uh, on Saturday night. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'll stay on the defensive side for my first pick to click as well. Um, I, I think this is, you know, Ennis Gaines has quietly put together a really, really strong start to the season. Uh, you know, he's he's been one of my favorite players since he entered TCU. He's a hard hitter, and now he's playing uh, with a veteran's football IQ as well in the back. And he just always seems to be around the football. And so um, I said the Frogs are going to need something to go their way. They're going to need a break to fall in their favor. And I think that Ennis Gaines is a type of player that makes breaks, you know, whether it's getting a helmet on a ball and causing a fumble, whether it's, it's an interception, uh, whether it's, so, it's a hit that uh, ignites your, the crowd. Who's your second like, one? Because I agree. I think Gaines has put together one heck of a season so far. I think have a big game Saturday night. Yeah, so on, on the offensive side of the ball, like I mentioned earlier, I think this, this has to be the jet game. I mean, we've been, we've been looking to, for TCU to, to turn Darius Anderson loose, um, whether it's been health, whether it's been holding him back, uh, whatever it has been. I think this is the game that we get to see full steam ahead, Darius Anderson. Um, and, and while again, this defense for Ohio State is, is absolutely outstanding. Darius can make guys miss. He can, he can get through double teams. He can work in boxes that are stacked up to stop him. And having the type of running threat um, that he has with him and, and Sean Robinson, I, I think it just frees things up a little bit more. I, I would think we'll love see a that. Lot of, I think uh, that would be fantastic. We'll see a lot of design replays, um, um, and we'll see Darius Anderson get you know, close to 100 yards. On someone Saturday else night. who thinks uh, very highly of this matchup is looking forward to it and knows a significant amount about Ohio State is Matt Brown. Uh, and you know, for those of you who don't know who Matt Brown is. He is uh, our college league manager here at SB Nation. Oh, wow. He used to manage Land Grant Holy Land. He does a lot of really cool stuff on the back end that you don't know is his influence with the company. Um, but he is he's a great guy, and he is actually um, he is, uh, available a little bit later to hop on a phone call and do a Q&A. So... Uh, we've recorded that already uh, after we recorded this, and so we're gonna um, we're gonna pop that in and play that for you now. All right, so I'm here with SB Nation's College League Manager Matt Brown. 
He is an Ohio State graduate. He's from Columbus, Ohio, and he was the managing editor of Land Grant Holy Land, uh, SB Nation's Ohio State blog, for quite a while before he moved on to bigger things within the SB Nation uh, mothership. And so, Matt, first and foremost, thanks for joining me uh, on the podcast this week. Yeah, no, no problem. I'm, I'm happy to talk. And I, let me just preemptively apologize to your audience and the uh, off chance my daughter decides to, you know, bust out of her bedroom and come yelling at me. I can't guarantee that won't happen. So if it does, I'm terribly sorry. You know, our, our, our listeners are used to my sons doing that. So I don't, and, <laughs> and to hearing Melissa's dogs in the background a little bit. So I don't think they'll be thrown by hearing a small child at any point in time. Um, right. And so this is a big week, I think, for TCU football. I don't know if it's as big of a week for Ohio State as it is for the Horned Frogs, but TCU and Ohio State are playing at Cowboys Stadium at Jerry World on Saturday night in front of a national audience. Uh, it's, uh, it's what Gary Patterson calls a stretch game. It's where you get to see where your program lines up with another great program in the country. Uh, and so, Matt, you know, everyone is talking about Ohio State. Obviously, they're 13 and a half point favorites in this game. Give me your initial thoughts uh, when you saw this game on the schedule about how you thought this game would play out this year. You know, when I first saw this on, on the schedule, I was, I was excited. It was a home and home, you know, Ohio state and TCU played uh, several times during the, uh, the late fifties and the sixties. There were a couple of really close games and, and then, you know, a couple of, of not so close games, but, but there's, there's a history between these two programs. It's a chance for Ohio state to get back into Texas. And I was excited and, you know, it's disappointing, although I understand, uh, why, why TCU pushed for this, that now this is just a, a one-off event. It's kind of disappointing because Ohio State has mostly declined to participate in gigantic neutral site events. Um, well, it's not like Ohio State needs the money. Um, and I think it's better for fans if it's on campus, but if it's the only way these two teams are going to play, uh, you know, better, better than it happens in the, the Taj Mahal here of, of football. Um, 13 and a half seems about fair to me especially given what we've seen from Ohio State's offense the first two weeks. I mean, granted, they were uh, technically against Power 5 competition, but probably <laughs> a little bit closer to, like, Division 2. Um, but their, weak, their, their offensive weakness from last year appears to be a strength, and this will be a really fun measuring stick, uh, given how strong, especially up front, I think, DCU's defense is. So let's talk a little bit about that or the other side of the ball, I guess, for Ohio State here is, is everybody talks about Ohio State's defensive line and everybody talks about Nick Bosa. Uh, he's one of the, one of the premier pass rushers in college football, if not the best pass rusher in college football. He's an incredibly uh, talented defensive end. Um, but Ohio State's defensive line rolls a lot deeper than that. Uh, and, and so who are some other names along the defensive line that TCU fans need to know about heading into Saturday? Well, uh, it, it, it's true. I think top to bottom, Clemson probably has the deepest uh, defensive line, but Ohio State is close. Uh, and it's pretty remarkable given that they just graduated and sent like four of them to the NFL draft last year. Bosa's definitely the, uh, the, the top guy in there. He's going to be in contention for the number one overall pick. He is, I think, slightly more physically gifted than Joey. And Joey is like mm -hmm. a, is a premier NFL pass rusher at this point to, to give you kind of a, a baseline. Uh, he's joined by Chase Young, who was, I believe, a five-star uh, recruit coming out of DeMatha High School in Hyattsville, Maryland, down the street from where I used to live when I was working in D.C., and, and he's kind of cut from the same cloth. He is extremely fast, extremely strong, just like a, you know, a real physical specimen of a guy, the, the kind that I don't think there are 
terribly many of them on the, uh, on, as pass rushers within the whole Big 12. You know, there's, there, there might be just a couple of them. Um, and what Ohio State likes to do is then sometimes also put some of their other ends uh, in at tackle in what they call rushman packages, where they just send four or five of their best pass rushers all at once in, in third and long, you know, obvious passing down situations and create all sorts of havoc. Young and Bosa have been in the backfield a lot. Draymond Jones at, at, at the defensive tackle has been in the backfield a lot. And a fan favorite uh, for Ohio State fans is a guy named Robert Landers, who we uh, affectionately uh, call BB or, or Bob Landers. And, and he's a little bit different from the, the bulk of def- Ohio State's defensive line in that he physically doesn't kind of pop off the screen. I think he's only like 6'2", so he's a little bit short for, for a defensive tackle for at, at Ohio State. He's a little bit undersized, but when it comes to creating havoc plays, getting into the backfield or causing fumbles, um, he's great. So, uh, you know, be, nobody – in the, the first two games, and really for most of last season, keeping Ohio State out of the backfield entirely was almost impossible to do. Oklahoma was really the only team that I think did it especially well, um, and they had what, the, one of the quarterbacks with the best escapability – uh, in the in the country, we haven't always really seen that this year. There, the one flaw, and this is also true, I think, for Ohio State's linebackers who are very talented, but maybe a little bit less seasoned, is that sometimes they're guilty of over pursuing. So, if you have a quarterback with some mobility, like TCU has, uh, or if you have some uh, some late, you know, slow developing running plays, you might be able to catch them in over pursuit uh, and get a big gain. And that's how uh, Oregon State was able to successfully move the football a little bit, especially in the second half. And so say a little bit more about that because, you know, I am getting, uh, and maybe rightfully so, I don't know, I'm getting destroyed on Twitter by Ohio State fans uh, today and over the last couple of days because I wrote uh, in one of my initial looks at Ohio State that TCU offers team speed that Ohio State rarely sees in the Big Ten. Uh, and, and folks uh, folks are, are dragging me a little bit because the Big Ten is developing and changing. You've got some new offenses and some some more speed, especially, you know, at Penn State. Uh, and a little bit at Indiana and some other schools too. Uh, but I really do think that TCU's team speed, especially at the wide receiver position, uh, is going to be, um, maybe not an overwhelming challenge, but, but, but potentially a challenge for Ohio State, especially in the secondary. Uh, so tell me a little bit about guys like Jordan Fuller, uh, who sat out against Ohio, uh, against Oregon State, but was back for Rutgers and seemed to make a significant impact in the passing defense. Um, but what are those guys, um, preparing for uh, against a team like TCU that is uh, that does have elite speed at the skill positions? Yeah, I, I honestly don't think that's unfair. I mean, I, I think a lot of Ohio State fans, and really Big Ten fans generally, are really sensitive about the Big Ten speed trope, which really kind of kicked into high gear, I think, in the late 2000s after Ohio State was just getting mauled in national championship games, and I think a little bit into the, in the 2010s. And that was, I think, clear the conference recruiting had fallen behind. Uh, a lot of the other elite programs. And that, and that has changed over the, the past couple of years. And um, certainly at Ohio State, and I think at skill positions with Penn State and Michigan, and with a couple of exceptions, I think, throughout the, the conference, um, the, that, that speed has definitely improved. But you're, you're probably right. I mean, the, especially at wide receiver, and I, I think it, with running back too, and, and, and TCU's quarterback mobility, I think, is better mm-hmm. than what you're going to find in most of the conference. It's not that Ohio State doesn't have the speed to keep up with it, but if you're insinuating it that, you know, in, in the open field, that this is a gear above Wisconsin or a gear above Michigan State or, or, or even Maryland, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's fair. So the defensive backfield is an interesting question because 
One of the things that Ohio State has done better than almost any other program in the country has been able to recruit elite defensive back talent and then send them very early in the NFL draft. The Buckeyes have had a, like a cornerback taken in the first round, I feel like three of the past three years. But a consequence of that is when a guy comes in and leaves after one really successful season is that even if you're recruiting really well every year, there's going to be depth concerns because you're getting to freshmen or redshirt freshmen very quickly. And, and that's kind of where Ohio State is at this point. I think it's been a little bit shakier each year. Top head talent's definitely there. Jordan, Jordan Fuller is excellent. He's, a, he's, he's both extremely fast. Uh, and is a physical enough guy uh, who can you know tackle well and run support. Uh, Sean Wade was a, was a five-star cornerback who played uh, a little bit more. You know, you saw some time in safety against Rutgers, and that's somebody that Ohio State has feel feels really good about. But there's a lot of redshirt freshmen, sophomores, underclassmen, and I, I'm not so much worried about speed as I would be maybe concerned about pursuit angles. Mm. Or, or concerned about consistency. Now, on one hand, it's difficult to throw deep against Ohio State because uh, it's hard to block them that long. And but it, it, I think that there will there, there will be some potential uh, for, for for bigger plays if you're able to get to that unit. It's, it's still very good, but if you were to look at in a, an Achilles heel for this defense, I think it would be linebackers and pass coverage and the consistency of the defensive backs. And, and how do you think TCU's mobility at quarterback, you've mentioned it a couple of times already with Sean Robinson, uh, can influence those situations where, you know, he, his mobility is unique in that he is, he's still six foot two, 230 pounds. Um, and a lot of times we've seen in these first two games, he's not moving around simply to run downfield, but he likes to move around in the pocket and in the backfield to create throwing lanes and uh, and to create more opportunities for his receivers downfield. Obviously, with the pass rush of Ohio State, he may not always have time to do that, but do you see Sean's Rob- Sean Robinson's mobility uh, influencing this game and creating a couple of, of situations uh, and challenges for, for Ohio State's defense? Yeah. You know, outside of maybe Michigan, and Ohio State has some advantages on, on other parts of the field there, I think it would be really hard for a pure drop-back guy to really be very successful against Ohio State this season because there's there's very few offensive lines that are going to be able to give you enough time. Um, but if you have mobility, uh, like, like like Robinson does, one, you're you're able to that that limits the Ohio State's ability to just completely send the house at you, right? Mm-hmm. You can you can stall for time by by utilizing the entire field, going going to different sidelines. Um, and we, we saw this a little bit with Oregon State. And I think Rutgers wasn't able to pull it off because they were just so completely overmatched. Um, but you're right. Not, not that 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 buys you time. It, it gives you an extra second or two, and it, it gives it gives an opportunity for coverages to be able to break down. Like I, it, it is difficult for me to see TCU's offense being really successful without, like one, I think some designed quarterback runs, mm-hmm. and two, um, extending the play long enough to be able to hold a Chase Young or a Draymond Jones off 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 guard a little bit. Now, like it's hard, you know, it's hard for me to see TCU still scoring like thirty points. Like they're they're. Um, their, their defense is, is really going to have to, to play exceptionally well for them to have a chance. But do, I think the offensive consistency is going to hinge on um, on Robinson being able to extend plays and avoid that pass rush or to be able to, to scheme himself in, you know, into, into utilizing the entire field. Uh, so Ohio State is, is, has, to, has to play a little bit less aggressively on defense. I hear that. I hear that. Uh, you know, I definitely think that the biggest the biggest matchup from a TCU offense versus Ohio State's defense side of things is along the line. 
because TCU is replacing three starters from last year. Uh, you know, they have uh, two uh, relatively experienced guys in, in left guard Cordell Iwagu and, and right tackle Lucas Niang. Uh, but they are breaking guys in. And, and, and we've talked a little bit about passing defense as far as the defensive line is concerned. But what about rushing defense? You said the, the linebackers are talented but are a little inexperienced. And, and what do you think happens if TCU just lines up and, and runs the ball? Well, Rutgers was not able to do this at okay. all. And, and Oregon State had, a, 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 I mean, and, and honestly, like Rutgers does have not untalented offensive skill position talent. You know, the, the I don't think TCU, if you look at a pure star rating, is, is recruiting just gobs and gobs better guys. They're, they're guys that are way better uh, situated schematically for what, TCU wants to do there, you know, there, there's the, what you're doing at a high school level in Texas is so much more aligned, uh, than what's happening in, in New Jersey or, or New York or Connecticut for what Rutgers is doing, but they, they were just totally overwhelmed. Where Oregon State was able to have some success, um, was in one, one, taking advantage of, of, of missed tackles and going side to side rather than, than just pure north to south. I think it's going to be really hard to do that consistently against Ohio state, unless you're able to do it in, in like obvious passing down situations or, um, you know, being able to perpetually be very efficient on offense. Um, the, the, the big danger is that Ohio state really puts you in a dangerous spot. If you're in third and long or, or even, or even second and long, um, just cause you're able to, to pin back. And so that means you need to be able to get that full, you know, those four or four and a half yards of carry. And that will be challenging, but, but perhaps, uh, not impossible. So moving to the other side of the ball, uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins has, has been incredible and he was incredible in limited time in 2017. He's looked, he's looked really, really good, uh, in the first few games against what I think we both would agree is lesser competition in Oregon State and Rutgers. Um, but I mean, he's completing almost 80% of his passes. He's already thrown for nine touchdowns. What have you seen from Dwayne Haskins this year, uh, that really makes him so deadly from the quarterback position? He is like somebody that we haven't seen in Ohio State in, in several years, not since Troy Smith at least, and, and potentially farther back than that. So the, the way that, that defenses would scheme against Ohio State over the past couple of years basically would be to, to load the box because Ohio State runs the ball so efficiently, and, they, and the defenses would say, look, we're going to bring our safeties into run support. We're going to give you one-on-one passing opportunities in the 15 to kind of 25 yards downfield area. You have to hit them. And JT Barrett, for all of his amazing successes at Ohio State, he's somebody that, you know, that I love, that, you know, Land Grant loves. That wasn't his game, right? Like he wasn't going to be able to just step back and fire lasers and, and attack people vertically. And Haskins can do that. He's not as mobile. Uh, he certainly uh, does not have the, the QB power kind of inside running game that Barrett had and that Braxton Miller had and, and, you know, that we've seen from Ohio State quarterbacks the last couple of years. But he has an NFL caliber arm. And, uh, you know, Ohio State also has a really deep, experienced pass-catching core. They, they returned, I think, their top six receivers from last season. Most of them are, are upperclassmen. There's a couple of seniors. That's where a lot of the leadership comes from. So when you have, you know, six high-end college, college you know, wide, wide outs or, or guys playing some H-backs, some wide receivers, some of them who are, you know, quantifiable NFL deep threats, and a quarterback who is able to, to fit balls in really tight windows and, and attack vertically and with who Ohio State has a running back, it's, 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 when all of that's working, I don't, I really don't think you can stop it. There's, there's simply too many fast playmakers. Um, and Ohio State simply hasn't had a, a, a passing game that could be that efficient, 
uh, and that explosive at the same time. So I know, I know, for, you know, those, those two, those two teams do suck that Ohio State played earlier, but Rutgers defense isn't horrible and, and completing 80% of your passes. And these are not just like all like, you know, three yard screen passes that ended up going for 22 yards. I mean, he's, he's chucking the ball down the field a little bit and to compete at, to complete at that level, even against FCS competition would be impressive. So, you know, it's understandable that Ohio State fans would be very excited right now. Oh yeah, and I'm not. I wasn't trying to ding his accomplishments through the first two games. I do think that he's been. I, I mean, it's it's not easy to complete 80 percent of your passes, or everyone would be doing it, right? I mean, Sean Robinson is completing, yeah. I think, about 63 percent, and he's played Southern and SMU. So obviously, uh, you know, it still takes incredible talent to be able to put the ball where it needs to be. Um, he's not the only talent. Like you meant, you mentioned, there are some some incredible receivers on that team, and you've also got. Mike Warren and J.K. Dobbins, who look to be a really incredible rushing tandem for Ohio State. Uh, obviously, Frog fans know J.K. Dobbins because the Frogs recruited him pretty heavily when he was in high school. Uh, he chose to go to Ohio State, which you can't blame a kid for doing that. And uh, so talk to, talk to me a little bit about what you've seen from those two guys so far and how they and, – and do they supplement the passing game or are they really kind of the driving force behind the offense? Um, well, it, it's been interesting because I, I feel like the, the first two opponents that Ohio State had, they really kind of sold out to try and stop both of them and, and dared Ohio State to really attack them through the air, which Ohio State gladly did. But I think as defensive fronts change, um, that will open up other opportunities because philosophically what Ohio State's want it to be is a spread power rushing team with special musical guests sure. passing game. You know, and, and they've been able to do that very effectively the past couple of years. And, and this, the, the preliminary results this year, granted, Urban Meyer's at home and isn't allowed to, to call QB power 22 times a game, um, have, have been for something different. Dobbins and Weber are really fun to watch in tandem because they're very different backs. It's kind of a thunder and lightning sort of combination. Weber looked just outstanding uh, and, and against Oregon State and, and, and uh, was good in, in a lot of non- um, you know, running the ball kind of duties. They're, they're both solid at pass protection, but he, Weber's a very physical, strong north-south between the tackles guy. Uh, and Dobbins, when he gets into, into open space, is one of the most electric players, uh, on, on the field. He's also a good pass catcher. He would have had like a 50 yard touchdown catch that called, he got called back to a, a dubious penalty away from the ball, uh, last week. Um, he has not blown up statistically this season so far that I think other Buckeyes fans thought he would given just what a, what a bell cow he was last year, but there's only one football and there's only so many places you can, you, you can send that. Um, but you know, if, if, if TCU is able to, to kind of, you know, really keys in on the passing game or, or takes away some of Haskins explosiveness, Ohio state has the running backs and the offensive line to win, even if their passing game is just average. Uh, so this begs the question, cause I, I mean, and you have, you have all of the, the rights in the world to talk about how great Ohio State is, cause I really do think they're one of the best teams in the country this year. Do you think Ohio State's gonna go all the way and win the national championship this year? This, I, I don't know. And, and honestly, the, the biggest thing it, for me is not so much the roster, cause I, I honestly don't think this team has, has too many glaring holes. There, there are some concerns about linebacker play and, and the, the secondary is gonna have to, Improve a little bit and, and they need to be healthy. Um, but that sheer, I mean, this is one of the two top two or three most talented rosters in the, in the country. They're more experienced. Like this is, I think this is the best team that they've had in the past three or four seasons. The, the wild card, of course, is we don't really know how this team's going to respond when Urban Meyer comes back next week. We don't know how this team's going to respond, 
uh, after playing a, a grown-up team in what I imagine is going to be a partisan crowd uh, in, in Texas, in, in a, a, away from Ohio Stadium. And there's, 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 a, there's a bunch of different things that you, you don't really know. I don't think this team is going to go undefeated. But I do think it is so it is so talented that even with a pretty difficult Big Ten league schedule, if they miss the playoffs, that would be a big disappointment. So you really don't – I mean, let's not pretend like Urban Meyer hasn't been around the program the last two weeks, though, right? I mean, he's been coaching, he's been helping game plan, and obviously not being there on the sideline on Saturday is a big deal. But he's he's got a pretty big hand in, in the way things have been going the last two weeks, hasn't he? The, the last two weeks, sure. You know, he was suspended completely – uh, for, for Oregon State, he came back. He's, he's been involved with practice, and, and Ohio State has a really veteran um, assistant coaching staff. Uh, we can question whether this administration should have allowed some of those coaches there, uh, given what we know now. Get you know, since Kevin Wilson had some abuse allegations at Indiana, and Greg Schiano uh, is not exactly a choir boy. If we were to ask for employment references at, at other places, he's been. But you know, those are those are guys that have been head coaches and um, uh, day. Um, who's the interim coach right now, will probably be a head coach very soon. You know, if, if Meyer was to retire or go to take an NFL job, I think that's probably where Ohio State would go. Uh, if he doesn't wait for a job in Columbus, there's plenty of other places we will be happy to have him. So um, it, it's not like they're, they're deteriorating away from whatever, you know, Meyer would have wanted. It's just it's, it's an unknown to me given how much coaching staffs try to remove every single outside variable and, and make kids as mechanical as possible. But they're 19 mm-hmm. and they're 20. And they do stupid things. So anytime that there's there's a there's any kind of weird instability in, in the background or big question mark, it always it always brings me pause. Um, and and that and and that could be uh, you know coaching changes. That could be suddenly lots of NFL agents popping around. That could be somebody gets hurt, somebody gets arrested. These are all things that happen. Those are bigger concerns to me than what's on the roster right now this year. So give me your prediction for this game. What do you think the final score ends up being on Saturday night? Uh, I think this is going to be fun. Um, I think it's going to be, I think Ohio State's going to get punched in the mouth a couple of times for the first time this season. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond. I would uh, imagine TSU is going to force a couple of turnovers, but I like the Buckeyes to win here pretty close to that spread. I'd go about uh, 31 to 17, 31 to 14 in that neighborhood. Last question, and it's, it's the easiest question that you've had to answer all night. Who's your favorite Big 12 blog at Espionation? You <laughs> can't do this to me. So if, if I, if, because you, you know what, there's going to be somebody at Smoking Musket right now who's going to be listening to this. He's going to be like yelling at dad in my mentions or something. We, we promise say, not to tell Smoking love, Musket. We promise not to tell Wide Right Natty Light. You know, we know you like us more than uh, either of the Oklahoma schools or Texas or, so I mean, really, it's, it's a top three right now, I think. What, what, I, listen, so this is what I will say. Lest my boss somehow listen to this podcast. I love all of my Big 12 blog children equally. Uh, some of them make me laugh more than others. Some of them cause me less problems than others. Some of them have better baseball programs than others. I'll leave it at that. The listener can make whatever inferences they want to. I can't stop them. Awesome. Well, thank you. That. that was Matt Brown uh, from SB Nation. Thank you so much for joining the podcast this evening. Yeah, no problem. Awesome. Take Enjoy care, the Matt. game this weekend. It was great having Matt on. Um, it's always good to get a, a opposing perspective. So. And, you know, I Matt's kind of his, a big deal around I the SB Nation community. So I think that, that makes that us the most important him. SB Nation blog. I think that's how that works once he comes on your podcast, right? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think we've always been. 
Yeah, we've always been his favorite, but what he did was told the rest of the blogs that he likes us better. So I Uh, I do feel for them, but at the end of the day, uh, he might not like a Sunday. We'll see. see. We may not like him Sunday, so we'll see how that all turns out. Yeah. Um, Now, I know know that we think that the only game that matters is the one happening Saturday night. I know that's how we feel. It's not. Um, There are a couple of other Mm -hmm. games going on, important games, for the uh, across the Big 12 and also across the national scale. And so should we talk a little bit about what is coming up for the Big 12 conference and, and lead it off maybe with the second biggest game of the non-conference. Is that really the second biggest the game of the week, you think, or is it Houston-Texas Tech? The USC Trojans and the Texas Fighting Probably. Longhorns. Uh, you know, this – yeah, this is. I'm pretty sure actually it's uh, Rutgers, Kansas. Probably. But, um, <laughs> this is the, the game that <laughs> could have been game day. Yeah, if Texas probably. had beaten Maryland and USC probably had beaten Horn. Stanford, I have no doubt that this would be game day instead of TCU Ohio State. Uh, the reality of the situation sure. is, though, is that these are both teams who have significant weaknesses. Um, Texas's weakness seems to be generally just everything at this point. Um, and USC looked just so slow against Stanford on Saturday. That was, um, yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah, that, that is not – I was at that game. That was not a very good football team. Uh, USC has a lot of issues on both sides of the football. Um, I would quantify this as a must-win game for Texas. If they want to have any shot of being taken seriously, like I don't care that USC is ranked in the top 25 still. They should not be. Uh, they are far from a team that's going to be competing. Um, I mean, right now they, they look like maybe the third or fourth best team in the Pac-12 South. So uh, I think I think Texas, if they want to be taken yeah, seriously I agree. I do. and want to continue to be favored as over bad as USC in week looks four, against Stanford, they've got to come though, out I still think they're better than Texas. The, I mean, fighting Trojans you have a Texas USC. team that uh, – was up 21 to nothing on Tulsa and still only won by a touchdown. I mean, Tulsa was pushing that team around in the second half. They were running the ball. They were throwing the ball. Defensively, they were shutting Texas down. Uh, And I just think that there's still such a long way for UT to go that I I think USC wins this game. I, I, I really see, I really see the Trojans coming out on top. And I think we're starting to see. The, not starting to see, but this is just going to be kind of another chapter wow. in Tom Herman's career at Texas where he is all flash, no substance. You know, he talks all the time, a big game, and at the same time, he's not coaching these guys up to the point that they need to, to be at, to be a competitive team yeah. uh, at a Power 5 level. And that's a that's a ridiculous thing to say about the University of Texas. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, Melissa, you were talking about how you know, how big of a leap that this team could make from last year to this year. And it looks like they're just, you're not dumb. You were, oh, yeah, like you were the only one saying Texas is back. Let's be real. But, uh, hey, you know, they've just, they, they have not made any progress. <laughs> they have not. And, and, and like I said a couple of weeks ago, until they show me something, I'm not going to pick them. And so give me USC to win that game. But you're picking no. Texas, I think. Is that what you said?
I think yeah. I'm going to pick Texas. Yeah, I think at home they have enough of a of a bump, um, and I think that that they know in the pro, across the program this is yeah. a must win game, um, and so I think they get it done. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to be pretty. I mean, we're we're talking like a 17 to 14 kind of game, I think, but I think Texas gets it done at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, we do have another ranked on ranked matchup in the Big 12. TCU Ohio State's not the only one, and this is this matchup really should be getting a lot more attention than it is, and that is Boise State coming down to Stillwater to play Oklahoma State. Um, this is, this is a much more exciting game a year ago, obviously, because Oklahoma State, uh, was, was probably a better team a year ago. But, you know, the, the Cowboys are 2-0. and Uh, they yeah. looked pretty solid. Taylor Cornelius looks pretty good early, filling, uh, the big shoes left by Mason Rudolph. They really, but they really have not. You know, I, I mean, that program is this a powerhouse. Is, they lost uh, Chris Oklahoma Peterson State's and did not see the real first test TV. of the year, too. I mean, after playing, who was it, Missouri State in week one and South Alabama in week two, now you've got a team with a pulse. And so we're going to see where Oklahoma State is, is with their new quarterback and, Obviously, they've still got Justice Hill. I uh, I don't know a whole lot about this Boise State program, but at this point, I, I don't think you really need to know a whole lot about this program to know that they probably are uh, ranked where they should be. I mean, they absolutely drilled UConn last week, 62-7. to And, uh, you know, they've got uh, quarterback Brett Ripon, I think that's his name. Is that is that who they've still got at quarterback? And uh, yeah, and he's he's already thrown for almost 700 yards and seven touchdowns this year. So, like, you know, yeah, I, I think that's so. not – Yeah, that's still ripping. Oklahoma yeah. State's – that's not bad. Oklahoma State's defense, we still don't really know what it is because they've played two teams. But, uh, no, I imagine that this game might be might be a shootout. I'll go not with bad. the Cowboys just because it's in Stillwater. Um, but I'd, would so. anybody be surprised by a Boise State win at this point? And it wouldn't be an upset because they're ranked higher than Oklahoma State. All right. Yeah. Uh, I would not be surprised, and I'm going to go ahead and take Boise State. I, I think that the people are really underselling this team, and, and Oklahoma State's going to be competitive yeah. in the Big 12 for sure. Uh, but I, I think Boise has a lot of veteran experience. They've got a great quarterback. They're well coached. Going into Stillwater and winning is I not think, easy. I, I think Oklahoma State uh, but wins, gonna, but if you're going to catch actually Oklahoma watch State that game while you're tailgating at Cowboy Stadium because it starts at 2.30 in the afternoon very, it's on ESPN. So, so everybody should be tuned into that game while they're watching the Frogs. If you're not watching that one or while you're prepping for the Frog game, but if you're not watching that one, uh, there's another game on FS1 that you can watch at 2.30, and that's Baylor actually hosting a Power 5 school in Duke. It is the first time since 2008 that Baylor will host a non-conference Power 5 opponent. They have played two Yay. Power 5 schools since 2009. They went uh, to Duke last year, and they went to, wow. oh gosh, who was it? Is it like Wake Forest or someone in 2009? And ever since then, in between that time, they did not play a single non-conference Power 5 opponent in the regular season. Yeah, I think it was Wake Forest, yeah. So we'll get, yeah, and we'll get to see a little bit about, you know, what Charlie Brewer is all about, I think, finally. See, see what he's got. Wow. I, I expect Baylor impressive. to win this game, actually, gonna play one just because Duke's starting quarterback got hurt. But um, do, you, do you see anything crazy yeah. happening in this one? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
No, I mean, I think Baylor wins, and I think they win pretty comfortably. Like you said, Duke's without their starting quarterback. Duke is on a, a downward projection currently, uh, and, and Baylor's looked more than competent in their first two games. You know, again, not great level of competition, but – and the defense has a lot of question marks. There's a lot of holes on that defense. But offensively, uh, not the Baylor of old, but an offense that can put points up in yeah. bunches. And, and uh, I think that they'll be able to absolutely outscore the, the Blue Devils in Waco this weekend. A rev- so a revenge give me Baylor, they're favored Oklahoma by six. I, I think they, they, they cover to and face Iowa some. State. Do you think Iowa State beats Oklahoma two years in a row? Yeah, early. Crazy. I don't. I mean, man, Oklahoma has just looked so good early. They really have. Uh, games and aims are tough. If this was a game under the lights, then then I'm probably looking at things a little bit differently. But, yeah, I just – Iowa State scored three points last week against Iowa. Uh, you're going to need to do a little bit better than that, Cyclones, if you want to beat an Oklahoma team mm-hmm. that, that has put up, I don't know, 100-and-something points in their first two games and looked – like they did it with ease, and that was with taking their foot off the gas quite a bit in the second half of both. So uh, this this is a seventeen and a half point spread, and Oklahoma's probably going to do better than that. Um, we'll see. I mean, you know, Matt Campbell's been really good at bounce bouncing back. So yeah, and I so think maybe last he has his guys ready to play, but Oklahoma's just a lot uh, better than Iowa State this year. Uh, they were last year as well, but veteran but I, I don't squad think come out and play really really the, well the because they ne- they were never. Uh, overwhelmed by the moment. You saw that in the TCU game. You saw that in the Oklahoma game last year. You saw that when they beat Memphis in their bowl game. You know, that was a senior-laden team. You had guys like Alan Lazard on that team, um, the, the kid who plays quarterback and linebacker uh, who was on that squad as well. Uh, Bill Lanning, thank you. And so, you know, you had some senior leadership that's gone now, and I think that has affected Iowa State. So, yeah, give me Oklahoma to win big. Um, a game that got canceled because of yeah, the hurricane on the west or on the east coast that I was really looking forward to is West Virginia NC State, but they have they have canceled that game officially now, which is disappointing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stay safe out there, friends on the coast. Yeah. Uh, we yes. still we, we have nice. two others though in the conference. We've got Houston Texas Tech, which you mentioned. This one is in Lubbock. Houston is favored by one. The over under is a very nice sixty nine points. Um, Houston has Ed Oliver, and honestly, if it was Ed Oliver against the Texas Tech offense, I'd still probably give Easy Eddie a little bit of an advantage there. So I think Houston is going to assert themselves a little bit this weekend against a Texas Tech team that put up seventy seven points against Lamar. But look, uh, yeah, so I agree with you. I think Houston wins. Against Ole Miss uh, and in the don't forget, that, that putting them against any kind of King, something other than a Houston's JV team is, is going to be a rude awakening for the Red Raiders and their fans. Uh, he was committed to CCU. He was going to come here. They were having conversations with him about letting him play quarterback, uh, and he decided to go to Houston and, and play quarterback at Houston uh, mm-hmm. because there were questions about whether or not he was going to be able to do that at TCU. And he is showing out. He's thrown for almost 570 yards and seven touchdowns in his first two games, and they absolutely obliterated Kevin Sumlin's uh, Arizona squad last like that was, that was such a shameful beatdown. Uh, you know, I've tweeted out a poll uh, on Saturday who has had the worst oh. start to their coaching. Uh, Man, those Aggies feel redeemed, school, don't they? It was <laughs> Sonny Dykes, Kevin Sumlin, Willie Taggart at Florida State. <laughs> they almost lost to Samford on Saturday night. And uh, Chip Kelly at UCLA. And Kevin Sumlin won in a landslide. 
They are they are so bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's of course. It is it has been a brutal, brutal start and all of a sudden has set set the Aggies off even more because of course. Yeah. Uh, two other games here. We've got, we want to save the best for last. So we've got UTSA against Kansas State. Man, Kansas State is a mess right now. I, I didn't, I really thought that this was the year where we see Bill Snyder pull a, like a rabbit out of his hat and have these, all these senior players they who nobody's do. ever heard of and they somehow come up and win 10 games. I was really, really wrong on that. Uh, this, they look, I mean, just downright a mess. Like this is undisciplined and unmotivated yeah, just, a, a Wildcat team that we have they, seen they are in so the, bad the second offensively. iteration of the Bill Snyder so era. They, I mean, I know Mississippi like State is probably Which legitimate probably gonna win this call, year, but, but they fine. just pounded Kansas State on on defense. That was brutal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, they're. UTSA but now we're to the game is, that everyone has been waiting Kansas for us State, to talk the, about. The Wildcats will Kansas, win. Um, I don't know if they're going to win by three one touchdowns. Kansas Jayhawks but, are but hosting they're, they're the one-and-one one Rutgers Scarlet Knights in a game yes. between the arguably the two worst Power 5 schools in the country. And guess who's favored? Kansas is favored by two-and-a-half points. Kansas, I don't think, has been favored yeah. against the Power Five schools since two thousand eight. Is it? Is it our? Is it our Jayhawks? And they've just come off snapping the longest wow. losing road losing streak in college football history, I believe, because they hadn't won a road game wow. uh, before this past Saturday at Central Michigan since two thousand and nine. They hadn't won a road game since I was in college. Wow. Yeah. Not as old as you, but. <laughs> Who do you have? Do you have do you have Rutgers or Kansas? Wow, you're old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? Give me the Kansas Jayhawks winning streak. I'm I'm going with the I'm going with KU. Um, Rutgers is just really, really, really bad. Uh, and Kansas is slightly. They're just really, really bad. I don't know so, if uncomfortable. Um, I think the Jayhawks but, have uh, got a little positive momentum. I think they, the players believe for the first time in probably okay. close to a decade. I mean, that's not like um, and I expect them to win and, the and to win comfortably of, at home. So. Yeah, I, I, th- I think Rutgers is completely and totally incompetent. Um, whereas, whereas uh, yeah. A couple yeah. other big games around the country, though. Um, yeah, so like I said, LSU, Kansas is Auburn. not a good football team, but they're a heck of a, a lot better of SEC than, West powerhouses. than uh, that's Rutgers. That's Jordan Hare in Auburn. That should be an incredible game. That's 2:30 CBS game of the week for the big uh, for the SEC. So that's a pretty nice matchup. Yeah. Uh, give really me um, give me Auburn in that matchup, Melissa. I think I think Jared Stidham is just too much for LSU in the end. Yeah, I'm I'm with you as well. Uh, another SEC matchup. You've got Alabama yeah, against Ole Miss. Ole Miss just uh, took Texas Tech to the woodshed in Week One, and then they struggled, um, but, but yeah, I think, struggled I think for three is, quarters is against um, a team that I can't even remember right now. Uh, oh, Southern Illinois. They, I mean, they ran away in the fourth quarter. They won seventy-six to forty-one. But this is a game 
Uh, I mean, Ole Miss scored 27 points in the fourth quarter to none for Southern Illinois. It was, this is, yeah, it was 49 to 41 after three quarters. Yeah, I, I, it, it, Ole Miss is, is probably a little bit overrated. Don't so. I don't think they have much of a shot this weekend. What about um, they're, they're uh, number ten team, Washington and, now one and uh, one? They're, they're not going to get it huge, done huge in, in this game. You know, that's program not, that's not defining win uh, in week two no. over, no. I believe it was the University of North Dakota to keep them ranked in the top ten, uh, and they're playing two and zero Utah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Utah is is sneaky good. I, I think Utah might have a shot to win the South. It'll be them and Arizona State's probably what's going to come down to. Um, that that being said, uh, Washington's probably a little bit better. You know, I'm, I've come out as an unabashed non-believer in the Washington Huskies this year. Um, so this will be where I'll either be redeemed as nope, they're not that good, or where yeah, them, Utah you know, only beat Northern Illinois Utah by, team, by nine Utah team, or like eleven. I think it was like seventeen to six. So give me the Huskies this week, but I think it's going to be Washington. But I don't think Washington is a top twenty-five team in the country right now. So this is a toss-up for me. Uh, it's at yeah. Rice Eccles Stadium in Utah, so I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going to go with the Utes, um, but I'm not terribly confident in that pick. No, at all. So there you go. And that's realistically, those are, those are pretty much all the big games around the country. I mean, obviously wow. you've got a huge matchup with SMU and Michigan, uh, happening Saturday afternoon. Good. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I don't feel bad for them. I just don't. Uh, but you've got, you know, there were a couple other good games that were canceled. Obviously West Virginia, <laughs> NC State, Central Florida, oh, North Carolina please. was canceled, um, because of the hurricane. North Carolina is probably thankful that that game isn't going to be played. And then you have an East Carolina team that just beat North Carolina playing Virginia Tech, and that would have been an interesting matchup, but that game has been canceled as well. Sure. Yeah, West Virginia. We do. I was going to pull those up. So, Jamie, before we sign off, oh, we have some questions too, don't we? Yeah, well, let me while you're while you're pulling those up here, and and we are getting long, so we probably need to blow through these pretty quickly. Um, but I do want to just give you this this tweet from Chris Fowler tonight, ESPN personality Chris Fowler. Um, a day at Ohio State football practice, very period, very period, impressive physically, period. Elite athletes, all caps, everywhere. Nick Bosa, almost unblockable. And the ball never touches the ground with Dwayne Haskins pitching it around, exclamation mark. Very chilled, period. Eager to see how he handles the pass rush. We're at TCU football Thursday. So we'll know what Chris thinks of TCU after having watched Ohio State today. Um, He is definitely drinking the crimson Kool-Aid, the scarlet, scarlet and whatever, scarlet, crimson. It's fine. Scarlet Kool-Aid um, after spending the day, yeah, just red, uh, dot in the eye up there at Ohio State. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he says after TCU's practice, um, who he singles out there. But, again, no, I not. really hope that uh, So let's get to Twitter TCU questions uh, from Austin Frank on Twitter. Are saying about them. Always faithful uh, with asking this question. A little extra question. edge is never uh, a bad Melissa, thing going into a game like that. Is Arp Rails in jail yet? 
He's just in Italy. I uh, think no, Italy he is, is uh, in Italy, um, or as Sugatz would say on the Dan Labertard show. Uh, Alyssa so Pepper asks, do you think we will see more of Tavares Hunt? But he's not. Uh, he's I don't know. I don't think we'll see more of him this weekend. I think the depth chart at wide receiver is maybe. pretty much set at this point. Yeah, you've, got, you've got guys at the top of it. You've got uh, Jalen Austin and Jalen Rager and uh, Kevontae Turpin as kind of your big three with Jarrison Stewart filling out that fourth spot uh, on the starting lineup. Um, and I, I, I don't see Tavalence Hunt getting a lot of time on the field this week, specifically because it's Ohio State. But, you know, the week after Ohio State, if TCU starts to run away from Texas a little bit, we'll probably see that freshman get some reps. Um, but there's also still, you know, an opportunity for him to redshirt this year because of the new redshirt rules. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll be interested to see. Um, I think he was a guy that a lot of us thought would get more snaps early on, especially with Omar Manning out. Um, so I don't know if it's if they're bringing him along uh, slowly or if he just hasn't been able to crack the depth chart yet. Um, we need to see somebody, you know, Jalen Rager has had a few drops, but still looks like Jalen Rager. Uh, Kevontae Turpin has been great. I'm still waiting to see who that third guy is going to be. You know, we need a big receiver on the outside, a guy with some height. Uh, Tavalence Hunt has the ability to be that guy, um, but we need to see somebody establish themselves as as a reliable target or the go-to guy in a third-down situation. And, and I don't think Sean Robinson's found that guy yet. So maybe we see Hunt. Yeah, redshirt, I don't think or, so either. And you know, I still really do feel uh, like out a little bit this week. But gonna, yeah, I think you're right. I don't. Third down kind I don't of know reliable that, that wide receiver be a for, for Sean yet. Robinson. Uh, you know, he has he has the build to be that kind of receiver to just get to the th- the first down marker and catch a ball and fall forward yeah. uh, and kind of live into that John D. Arce role from a season ago. Um, but realistically at this point, it's either going to be him yeah. or Jalen Rager uh, and, and Turpin kind of filling things out. Those are the top three. And I don't really even think it's close at this point. Yeah. Jeff on Twitter uh, spells his name the wrong way with a G uh, but he asks, what's your favorite piece of local culture within a five-block radius of Jerry World? Yeah, no, I agree. Huh. Okay, I take this, I take real umbrance with this, my friend Jeff, who is a fabulous human being, but um, I'm an Arlington native. I get it. I know it's very corporate and very touristy, and that's the way that Jerry built it. But downtown Arlington is an awesome place. Levitt Pavilion is a great place to catch music. There is an absolutely gorgeous new library in downtown Arlington that is state-of-the-art in every factor. I got a great tour of it last week. Um, Arlington is not Fort Worth, and it's not Dallas, but it has a lovely character and wonderful people, and there is a lot to do in this city. There's a beautiful art scene. Uh, the theater Arlington is a wonderful community theater. Um, I happen to love my ad town, the American Dream City, and I am excited that we'll get to still show more people. We'll get to hear "Welcome to Dallas" on Saturday that's night, not, even though it's Arlington. Not five blocks though. Jeff, the answer to your question is nothing. Yeah. Okay. Well, five blocks. The answer maybe to your question not, is nothing, but, Jeff. But within like nothing. a mile. I mean, I don't Unless know. Unless you want to talk I about Texas math. Live. I don't math. What's it with a pop-up at TCU? Fuzzy? Yeah, come on. 
there's That's nothing true. within five blocks okay. of TCU either. Maybe I mean, there's one thing. Lockhart's is there. Uh, from Will Taylor, uh, can yeah, the offensive Texas line earn a passing cool. grade against Texas Ohio State's really nice defense? Game. There's a Lockhart smoke can after they? Texas Live. Yes. That's all you need to know in my book. So. TVT. Dang it, Jeff. Will Lee Corso, also from Will, Will Lee Corso pick Super Frog? <sighs> Man. He's going to put yeah. Rubis' head on <laughs> sure. so fast. Eh. Yeah. He's going to. Oh, yeah, he's going to throw Super Frog. No chance. No, 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 he's not. You know what he's going to do? We're going to get we're gonna get the fake out. He's going to pull the frog head out. Yeah, he's going to put it on the desk, and he's going to uh-huh. go, not so fast, my friends. And two raucous boos from the collective TC well, community, think, he's going to put on the Brutus the Buckeye hat. I think there will be a smattering of remember, shoes Lee as well. I fully expect Ohio State, State guy, fans to be present at He's a Gator guy or a Florida State guy, but I think he's got some, last, some deep ties to Ohio State Last but definitely not least so. from our favorite no, Iowa State blog, Wide Right Natty Light, uh, who recently told us that they're going to come down sure. for TCU's game against yeah. Iowa State. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, who's going to be? Oh, for sure. Who's going to be shotgunning a bush latte with us? Oh, guys. Which Probably. is more exciting than the game. So does that mean that we're assuming Sweet. this is going to be an 11 a.m. kickoff because it's Iowa State? And that's just the way these things work? Yeah. So uh, I, I'm going to say, first of all, upset number one, it's going to be a 2.30 kick. We're getting an afternoon game for that one. I just, I just have that feeling. Um, but no, wide right natty light. No, I will hang out with you guys. I'm excited to get to know you guys. It. I will not try to engage in any adult beverage not, consummation. I might not be at that um, level at anymore. Your level, uh, haven't been I at that level for that about a decade now. Day but, long. Uh, I'm not here for that. I bet you will. <laughs> I'm never going to quote a Toby Keith song, so uh, probably not that. <laughs> but I'll. If they're coming all the way down from Iowa, not as good as you Iowa, once was, but I'll, you can be I'll good once as you ever was, sure. or something. However that goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I'm think gonna, it will be. I'll too. have one, but I'm not going to be a shotgun in a Natty's or Bush lot. I don't okay. know. I'm, I'm going to have to talk to my my friend that went to Iowa State at work and just be mentally prepared for what we're about to engage in. I think it's going to be fun. The hell. Uh, yeah. Hey, before we go for real this time, I have another tweet that I want to share. This is the fan happiness index, according to ESPN Where? Sports Analytics. Okay, well, I think number one fan happiness has to be Alabama fans. Fan happiness indexes. Where would you expect to find TCU? Having told you they're in the top ten. Yeah. I don't know. So... Where's Cle- is Clemson on this list? Shocker, no. They're number five. What is wrong with you, Bama? Number five. Okay, so really I feel like you're setting this up. Like, thing? I don't know. Is TCU number one? Oh, okay. Clemson is Not on this Aggies. list. Uh, they are number let's see. seven. Who would number one be? I don't know. Penn no. State fan? Guess who number one is. What? You're never going to guess it. Cincinnati. Number two, Oklahoma. Number three, Colorado. Number four, just ahead of Alabama, is the Horned Frogs. Georgia at six. Comes in at seven. Ohio State at eight. Virginia Tech at nine. And this is the best of them all. Guess who's rounding out the top ten? It is a Texas team. It is not Texas. Their fans are anything but happy. 
a Texas team. It is not Texas Tech. A Texas team. It is definitely not, not Baylor. A Texas team that had a great opening weekend and not so great week two, nice. but seems to have turned the, the corner as a program and is significantly on the up and up. That's pretty it's cool. It's North Texas. It is the mean green of well, Texas. seeing how this podcast has already lasted for longer yeah. than an hour so they're and very a half, happy fans right now. Don't the, blame uh, them. They got a quarterback. They've got We're a coach. We're going to go ahead and let y'all go. TCU. But thank you for listening. This has been the Frogs War well, podcast. So. Please go to iTunes and give us a rating and a review. Give us a like. Follow us on Podbean. You can find us pretty much yeah. wherever podcasts yeah. exist. So download us. Listen. Give us reviews. Uh, tweet at us. Talk to us. We love fan interactions. We love talking with TCU people. Uh, because we are TCU people, Melissa, and that's kind of where we like to be. So this has been the Frogs War Podcast. Hopefully the Frogs are 3-0 and the next time we all get together. But for now, I'm Jamie Plunkett. Yeah, we are. Go Frogs. But for now. I'm Melissa Trebowasser. See you Saturday. I'm listening.